Star Wars Escape Pod, and uh, here we are coming from you from the cantina as our escape pod is down for repairs. Uh, so we're using a bit of a different gear this week, but it sound a little different, but uh, that's okay. Hopefully it's all right. Uh, we got our after show for The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 4, Chapter 20, The Foundling, and The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 14, Tipping Point. We also got our updates for the UTE book Madness, and we have our co-co-host, Bryce, joining us in the podcast this week, along with a good friend, Kirk, to chat all about Star Wars. Let's get into it. Another happy landing. Hey, how's it going? And um, being in the co-pilot's chair, I'm, I'm in the co-pilot's chair, but I'm the co-co-pilot. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the co-co-pilot. Like, yeah, I'm well, sitting The Falcon Cox that has four seats, and uh, you know, you, you guys are right there with us. <laughs> That's good. I was going to say, I'm like, Blake's chair is super hairy. He's a, he's a very, very messy wookie. Yeah, he is. He is indeed. <laughs> and, and then that makes me see 3 po then. I'm, I'm the stowaway that talks too much and everyone wants to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. No, no, no. no. Uh, we we have right. unplugged you from the hyperdrive and brought you up to the front here. Ah, uh, good, 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 good. Yeah, yeah. But, That's at least I'm not in the escape pod. Well, I yeah. guess I'm in the escape pod, but not in the escape pod. <laughs> right, right. Uh, to, to all our listeners out there, we might be sounding a little different this week. We're uh, we're having to uh, work with some uh, some new tech on the go while our ship is is down for repairs. So um, you know, hopefully, it's not uh, too much out of uh, out of context. We're gonna try and slice this episode up as much as possible to make it like the regular format and. Uh, uh, I guess we can start talking about about Mandalorian because uh, yeah, Kirk, you're not fully caught up on the the newest Bad Batch, so um, we'll, we'll aim for Mandalorian first here, and then we'll get into some Bad Batch after. But uh, I'll read the summary here, and then we can uh, talk about some bullet points and I don't know things we like, things we didn't like, uh, the usual, and uh, kind of see how it goes. So uh, this one is the Mandalorian season three, episode four, chapter twenty, the Foundling. Uh, Din Djarin introduces Grogu to the, to Mandalorian combat training. Grogu wins at a training match, but his opponent Rag, Ragnar Vizsla uh, is captured by a large raptor. Uh, I would call it a dragon, but that's what this summary says. Uh, Bo-Katan gathers a hunting party, which includes Din Djarin and Ragnar's father, Paz Vizsla, which we actually find out in this episode that Paz Vizsla has a son, and uh, leads them to uh, the nest of the beast. The armor forges a new piece of Mandalorian armor for Grogu and uh, a, a rondel bearing uh, Din Djarin's mudhorn uh, sigil. As she works, Grogu has visions of his rescue from the burning Jedi temple during the purge uh, from one Jedi master 
uh, Kellerin Beck, uh, a sympathetic member of uh, the Naboo Armed Forces. Uh, Vizsla's over-eagerness to save Ragnar disrupts Bo-Katan's plan and leads to a difficult aerial rescue in which Bo-Katan and Din Djarin rescue the boy unharmed, kill the beast, collect, <laughs> collects its chicks, and uh, earn the clan's respect. Uh, as the armorer replaces Bo-Katan's pauldron lost in the scuffle with the raptor, Bo-Katan reveals her encounter with the mythosaur to the armorer and... Uh, the armor meets her account with indifferent disbelief. Uh, so that was that was quite the episode. I mean, you know, people have been buzzing about the flashbacks. I know I've been been really, uh, you know, thinking back across Huge. it. I had to watch it a yeah. few times. Um, but yeah, what, what did you guys off the top of your head? Like, what did you think of this episode when you saw it? Go ahead, Kirk. Oh, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, it packed so much more in, at least on our main heroes compared to the, the previous episode. Um, and uh, I just wanted a little bit more. Like thirty minutes went by so quickly. Yeah. So I think this was probably yeah. the shortest, the shortest runtime. But I uh, was really surprised with the flashback scene. I I didn't think we we're going to get an answer so soon about you know exactly what happened. And no one would have so- seen or th- thought of what was coming as well. So I mean, my quick thoughts on the whole episode. I really enjoyed it. I I wish we we had it a little bit longer though because yeah, they packed in a lot. Yeah, yeah. Next week, uh, well, at least this this week, I guess it is. Um, the episode is supposed to be over forty minutes, so I don't know if that's going to compensate or not. Mm. But yeah, who knows? Um, but that that's yeah, yeah. I thought I thought this week was was quite quite short too as well. Uh, yeah. What about you, Bryce? I definitely went from like I was I'm, I'm this isn't like my favorite episode by any means, but I definitely went from like. I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. This is silly. And then it hit the flashback and I was like, this is the best episode I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually at the start of the episode, I, I kind of agree. When, when they did that training match between Grogu and. I was what's, rough. What's the son's name again? The Vizsla's son? The, in the. Uh, uh, yeah. Rag, Ragnar. Yeah, like good old Ragnar, you know, I I don't know if he should really be Mando, uh, Mandalorian at this point because like they have the match, he shoots two shots at the beginning, he could have just shot the third and won the whole thing and then you've got Grogu doing, you know, Grogu type things and flipping over and he shoots three at once, I'm like, what is going on? Man, that's like nepotism at its finest. Like just because you're you're like dad is like the cool Mandalorian, you get to yeah. just completely disobey the rules of the duel. Like like yeah, exactly. the the referee clearly stops the fight every time someone gets hit, right? Yeah. And then the third round, Grogu shoots the kid three times, and he's like, "Grogu, which." Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about that too. I was like, I was like, man, like what? Like I, I was trying to understand what the rules were. Maybe I think, I think maybe the rules were slightly glossed over, but from my understanding, at least how I'm trying to make sense of it is maybe there's a total of three rounds and you can disperse your, your hits or your points, like, uh, you know, across those three in total. So like I guess maybe you could like unload them all in one round and then there's still two more rounds for the other person to try and hit you or yeah, something. But, but but the ref clearly stopped it as soon as Grogu was hit once. Yeah. And then he separated them. Like, I think yeah, because he was like he was like point or something, point. right? Yeah. 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 So it just I think, it makes no sense. Like it makes no I, sense I, at all. 
I really think um, Din, Din Djarin did what any good dad would do in this situation to make his son feel good. And he just slipped the referee like a 50. <laughs> like, he just slipped him like, yeah. Like, <laughs> so that was, that was pretty funny. Yeah, I also am. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, he definitely slipped him some power converters. Yeah. <laughs> some death sticks. Some mantel mix. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then no, the, was- uh, the, I was also going to say the the training sequence. I'm like, is this the, like, is this honestly the best of Mandalorians? Like, is this their daily routine? Is they? Yeah, this is this is exactly what I was going to mention because, um, I, you know, I you guys have seen Clone Wars, right? So, like, yeah. there's, there's some... There's some areas in the show, very small areas that we see, the uh, like the Mandalorians, like Vizsla's clan, you know, the the Death Watch train amongst themselves. And I think there's a scene where Maul and his brother are walking through the camp, and then he's complimenting Vizsla on like his people being like strong and and you know ferocious or whatever. And they're basically just all beating the crap out of each other. Like there's a whole bunch of different little clusters right. of people all just having fist fights and, you know, trying to wrestle each other to the ground stuff. So like that was a lot more vicious than like what they were doing here with like the kids and like, you know, people seem to not be nearly as kind of at each other's throats as much. But uh, I guess like it was reminiscent for me. And I thought back to that scene in the, in the Clone Wars, I was like, oh, it's kind of cool that like they actually kind of nod to the head, I guess, to maybe that's what they do in their spare time, right? Like they're warriors. Maybe that's what they do all day. They just, they just beat each other up and fight and target practice. And I, you know. I just have some questions about like the logistics of their little camp. Like yeah. what do they do for work? How do they make <laughs> money? Do they, they all have this time just to like hang out. Like there's a lot of them and yeah. they're all just, firing rockets into like the ocean like their pond i'm like no wonder the big alligator is really angry like, <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was the weirdest watch. part of the, the whole training thing i thought that was the weirdest part like what are they even shooting at like i couldn't yeah I couldn't, like there's no targets they're just yeah just like this seems like a stormtrooper training regiment right? yeah why why yeah i'm surprised they can hit anything anyways <laughs> It was a bit, it was, it was kind Wait, of funny. Were there any yeah. targets like on the water? Because when I looked at it, uh, no. it just looked like they were shooting at the water. It's like, oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah, no. I, I, good job, Jimmy. You, 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 you hit something. You hit, you made a splash. <laughs> yeah. You, you hit the, you hit the crest where the water meets the land. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. It was, it was, yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. I think, I think this is honestly a really good example at where um, the animation style in the Clone Wars excels. Like I remember a lot of people were complaining back when Ahsoka first came out being like, oh, she doesn't look like how she was fighting in the Clone Wars. And that's like, yeah, duh, because of course, uh, like um, mm. uh, Rosario Dawson, is that right? Yeah, Rosario mm-hmm. Dawson yeah. can't like, like dismember her back and paws in midair because that's yeah. How right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, it doesn't like that's what people are comparing it to. But to be said, like I don't know, like John Wick just came out now. There's a lot of like violent action going on in that, and I don't expect that to be here. But um, yeah, it, it did. It does just look very. Uh, let's dial it down to like a three or a four. Oh yeah. Super campy. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because, um, I was actually thinking about this about a week or two ago and, um, you know, with, with Ahsoka and, and her movements and stuff in the Clone Wars, like, yes, it's animated. Uh, but then that final fight scene with Maul, uh, that I believe was completely done with motion capture Yeah, and yeah. they had, they had stunt doubles for that fight. And when I watched that fight, it is amazing. Like it's super 
good, like really well choreographed and, you know, the speed and, and you just, the ferocity of the whole thing was just really, was just really well done. So, um, you know, I can only hope that, uh, of course, like they kind of upkeep that level of quality, like through, through fight scenes going forward in the show. I mean, because it was a training thing, we can kind of like let it slide for like some of those, like kind of like, Oh, that was kind of weak. Uh, but you know, I'm just hoping that like the actual like hand to hand combat moments that we see later on or like sword duels, whatever, you know, I'm just hoping that it's like just at the same level. Right. Yeah. Of, I, I think, yeah. um, I think the whole like problem with this, this area, like I'm, I'm just having a quick flick through the scene again, just having a look what their fighting looks like in the background. I think this season is just a little bit lacking. Like what's the end goal. I feel like at the midway through the other two seasons, we kind of knew where things were going and, Maybe mm-hmm. not so much season one, but I just don't quite understand like what they're trying to, to do here. Is this more about Bo-Katan is, and, and or building the Mandalorian order again and questioning beliefs and everything, which I guess we'll get to when she approached the uh, armor at the end. But it's yep. just really strange. I, I don't know what all these colorful Mandalorians are, are doing and what the, I guess, the end yeah. game goal is uh, with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's definitely an interesting, you know, thing to speculate about because on the one hand, it could be a story for the season. And on the other hand, it could play into uh, that. Uh, there was a, there was an article written about it recently. John Favreau basically said like there, there's no end in sight for the Mandalorian. And uh, it has a lot of people worried because like, well, merchandise, what's the point, right? Like, like why write a story if you don't know how it's going to end? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, on the one hand, it could be a story that we're looking at, which plays into the whole season. Somehow it's going to come to a close, uh, or maybe it'll play into like a, a, a two season event. Maybe it'll pull like a book of Boba thing. And we're going to see like the consequences of the end of this season play into another show. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say like at the moment, but um, yeah, that's definitely an interesting thing to, to, to speculate on. I, yeah, I really feel this is a bit of a bridging season and I hate it when I, when this happens, yeah. when I start to watch something, but when, when, as soon as, uh, uh, Vizsla's son got captured or the, the, the Aerodactyl looking dragon thing, <laughs> you were like, and, yes, and gra- and the kid. no, I was like the opposite. I was like, no, don't do that. Because I knew the rest of the episode was going to be about yeah, going was, to fetch this kid. Oh, that was man. like, being stupid. Yeah. and I'm like, this episode's yeah. only 30 minutes long. And they're going to, and like at the end of the episode, they're going to celebrate because they got the kid back. Obviously they're not going to eat the child. Yeah. So I think like the flashback sequence just like saved it for me because yeah, if, yeah. If that happened, I was like, oh man, <laughs> it's, I think you're it's right. another Ewok adventures. <laughs> yeah. It's not as satisfying when you see the the characters like they 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 have the the problem or issue and then they solve it in the same episode. Like you, there's no arc there. It's just right, and then then it makes it feel like a filler, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I agree. Um, you know, and and that flashback that you mentioned, uh, dang, like that was that was super cool. That was that was the stuff that uh, I was really looking forward to when I saw the trailer for this season. Like the the brief glimpses of those four Jedi going towards the gate that had sparks coming out of it. You know, yeah. we all kind of knew like that we'd get more of Grogu's backstory, and uh, and I'm super happy that it played out the way it did. I, you know, it was amazing to see Ahmed Best back, you know, in, in a role in Star Wars. That was, uh, that was amazing. Uh, playing a character that he actually played on a YouTube series called Jedi Temple Challenge, which, um, 
was like a bit of a challenge course, kind of like Wipeout or something. So is it like for, a kid's reality show? I'm actually yeah, going to go watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, if you're like seven years old, like this is like the thing to watch, right? Like it's, well, it's kind of cool. Like, I am, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was cool. Like I actually did watch, um, I think, a good amount of it. Um, there's not that many episodes and it's only one season. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, it's supposed to kind of be in-universe. Yeah. Um, and uh, his character that he plays, which is uh, Kelleran Beck, uh, is also nicknamed as the Sabered Hand. And uh, his character is supposedly a Jedi Master who serves the Order, assisted by a protocol droid AD3 and LXR5, both of which show up on Jedi Temple Challenge. Uh, they serve mm-hmm. aboard the starship uh, Athelia. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, and that's all we really knew about the character. And, uh, we also, I think there was also something about his lightsaber being purple, uh, in, I don't know where that was confirmed. I don't know if he ignited it on the show at one point and it was purple, but, uh, in this show, uh, because I don't think Jedi temple challenge is really meant to be like a canon story or anything like that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I think it was a wise decision not to keep it purple. Like I just got to throw that out there just so that like no one gets confused with Mace Windu for the average viewer. Maybe they're just too similar. Right. Like, um, so I just, I don't know. To me, I thought that was a good idea. I liked the fact that they distinguished him with a very unique tunic. Like I really liked that. He had like this nice kind of engraving on like the edges Man, he, he really looked apart like yeah awesome. this guy looks like a you know like a like a badass jedi like oh, master yeah. is so good yeah. it was so good yeah and you know he's just like i mean i haven't seen ahmed best in a lot of things like i'm Me gonna either. be honest yeah. like I'm, I'm not like a diehard ahmed best like you know, fan, like, I, I, I don't even know, like, what else he does. Like, he's brilliant at Jar Jar. I, I've always loved the character, you know. I know you've always loved the character. We have mad respect for the character and what <laughs> he did as a one of the first actors to pioneer motion capture technology. Like, that was a huge deal. So, yeah. like, you know, we have we have a lot of love for for Ahmed around here. But, uh, but to see him back like that, you know, like, kind of like coming through the doors and just kind of like looking down at Grogu and just kind of saying like, it's going to be all right, kid. Like, I was just like, man, he must have had the time of his life doing that. And, uh, to be, uh, to be a bit more kind of reflective on the whole ordeal, uh, you know, he's kind of been very outspoken about how his role as Jar Jar been, you know, it was quite mentally damaging to him, like years of, of, uh, the toxic fan base kind of coming at him, uh, critically and, and everything like that, it really set him in a downward spiral for a while. And uh, so not only is it great to kind of see him back in this new kind of in the, in just in a, in a different character, just kind of embracing Star Wars, just as, you know, as a fan would, but uh, also just to kind of like play such an instrumental character that people can like, that those same people who m- might hate Jar Jar with a passion can actually like appreciate a different character that he plays. And, you know, it's just kind of reaffirming that it's like, yeah, no, this is, he's just an actor. He's just doing his job. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, so like, I, I just, I liked that. I liked that a lot. Uh, I don't know whose idea it was. Uh, someone asked Carl Weathers, who was the director of this episode, um, whether or not it was his idea to bring um, Ahmed Best back into the fold. And he actually didn't know. Uh, he's just said, oh, it could have been John, could have been Dave, could have been both. I have a feeling like, I don't even know if Carl Weathers had 
anything to do with that sequence. Like that sequence felt so different from, from the episode. And to be honest, I feel like that sequence would have needed a lot of work. Oh yeah. Like, like all the 3d and everything that went into that. So I, I bet you they were like, I don't know, working on that for, you know, before the long time. First. Yeah. 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 I think so you're I, right. I, I appreciate that, you know, Disney and, and star Wars kind of like, kind of like didn't give up, like didn't just like let this, I don't know, like the talent go. Right. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of like, like kind of yeah. did this for him. Cause I, think you really deserved it oh totally yeah it was such a huge service like it's, to, it's nice to know that the the, the 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 that yeah that they the fan star wars fans on social media thank you so much for everybody who ever rocked with me i am more of a fan than i am a person in these movies and i have always been and always will be i get just as excited when every new star wars thing drops when people show up on stage celebrations and I'm more of a, a Star Wars news junkie than anything else. So I'm right there with you. Thank you. And let's keep loving this thing. I'm playing Jar Jar in Clone Wars. I have a feeling it wasn't him. Uh, that was still kind of on his Star Wars hiatus, you know, and rightfully so. I, you know, I <laughs> like, you know, it took a toll on him in a way that he just couldn't, couldn't deal with Star Wars for a while, I think. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super glad to see him back, like actually on screen playing a, playing a character and, um, very, very cool. So, you know, I hope we get a little more out of that storyline. It didn't really wrap up, right? Like we're still expecting to see more flashbacks. And, uh, I got to ask you guys, what do you think is the relationship with this Jedi and the Naboo, yeah. uh, security forces? Cause this, this plays a bit of an instrumental role in Revenge of the Sith as well. When we see Padme go to Mustafar, she's not using that ship. She's using a different ship, um, different, uh, different Naboo. I don't know the class of the ship. I totally forget. It's the one that looks like a giant kind of wing, you know, it's like a, like a big, yeah. I don't know what to call it, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the relationship there between, between this Jedi and what were they, Nubians? Nubian, yeah. Nubian class shit? The Royal know. Naboo security forces. Um, there's a running theory uh, that I could buy into is that Keller and Beck and Representative Binks are f- good friends. And uh, maybe that might be his ship. That might be Representative Binks' ship uh, Man, and that his is, security forces. That is such a good – yeah, th- that's got to be it, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like who else would it be? Right. Like, I mean, I don't think because because we see Padme in Revenge of the Sith. She's like seeing the temple burning and she's crying, you know, and like and that's that's kind of it. And then and then Anakin shows up and I don't know what the time gap is, but, you know, supposedly, you know, he's like uh, he's survived or whatever. And then then, you know, the next thing she knows, he's flying off to Mustafar. So, like, I, I don't know if it was her who maybe, like, called for aid or whatever. It seemed to me that there was, like, a pre-existing plan in place that was probably drummed up kind of, like, right away, if not, like, more or less uh, as soon as possible when they asked him, "Is there where are the others, right? So, it made it seem as if there was, like, a call that happened before he took Grogu onto the speeder bike and jets off through the city. Yeah. Um, so, I just assume... It's got to be someone that we didn't see on screen very much in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, if they're trying I, I to really build like that, that story, yeah, I really like that. My only other, the only other thing I might 
add is that um, there's been in, in the comics, there's been a lot of um, the handmaidens have been a really big part of. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. Of like Sabe the, uh, Darth, and the, the Darth yeah. Vader series. Um, so it could always be one of them, but I, I have a feeling like they're going to try to redeem Binks a little because he was so yeah. instrumental in bringing about the destruction of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much I want to see him back, you know, like, cause yeah. like, yeah, it's true. Like Jar Jar was in Padme's place when he helped Palpatine authorize the grand army of the Republic, you know, legalizing all the troops and everything like that in episode two. Uh, so I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in, you know, I was like, we're looking at the story he holds a little bit of blame for that. Uh, but I would, I would, like, I would love to see him back and kind of like have him be this, the one who actually did this, you know, like communicates with his, his friend and, um, gets it, gets his ship set up to be like an escape vessel kind of thing. Like that would be really cool. Uh, I'm also very curious as to what happens after, like, how does Grogu get into, the position he is many years later like where does he go like all that time like maybe keller and beck is alive through the entire original trilogy we have no idea right i feel like we're not going to get any more flashbacks until next season i think that's I, I, as, much as, as much as i want to see what happens next i genuinely feel like we're not going to get it back and maybe record this audio and prove me wrong by the time you know <laughs> uh the next the next podcast comes around but i i feel like they're just having a little bit more mystery to show what happens kind of next. And I think as much as I want to see, you know, where did he go? Who is he taking it to? And and how do they plan for the Naboo uh, soldiers? I, I, sorry, I can't remember what, what you called them. Um, but I feel like we're not going to get those answers until um, next season, which is really you're, annoying because I want I want yeah. those answers. <laughs> you're yeah. probably right. Maybe we'll get one, but I think, I think you're probably onto something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I don't know if it's if they planned whether or not the Jedi contacted um, like you know somebody within uh, Padme's like security detail, be like, okay, it's time, something's happening, let's let's do stuff, or like there was a pre you know a pre planned in place. So I don't know, but it's I think it was pretty clever, and it wasn't um, it wasn't an accident that they chose these particular people to provide the ship to. Uh, uh, Best's character, um, and also mm-hmm. live action clone troopers as well. I don't think we've ever, ever actually got them until we, uh, uh, since, like, Kenobi, obviously. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think Kenobi was the first. Actually, uh, was it Kenobi or Andor? I think it was. It was one yes, of the two. Andor. Andor. Yeah. Oh no, uh, Kenobi came first, so te- technically it would be Kenobi. Kenobi. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Andor. They were really far away. Like they were in that flashback sequence, and then yeah. Kenobi. We had it during the the obviously the Jedi Temple breaking scene. But this one, like, yeah, there was some really. Um, really up close scenes of them. And I, I thought they looked great. I, I thought they, the, they looked really good. Most yeah, of the they did. On sequence they, looked really good. Yes, yeah, for sure. And um, you know, I, yeah, I was the clones' practical costumes. I got to say though, because as cool as they look, there was definitely a, there's definitely some funky uh, armor movement with some of them. You know, just like if you're kind of like looking at them close enough, and you know, there was one guy's crotch piece was like flipping up way too high at one point. <laughs> I was like, all I could think about, I don't know if I've just watched the prequels so much that it's just like ground into my head with like the perfection of a CG clone trooper. Everything moves the way it's supposed to, right? But like, all I could think about was like, ah, that's a real guy. <laughs> <laughs> Comfortable clone armor is not. 
(laughs) Right. Right. No. And uh, there was definitely one guy holding his blaster like so close to his face that it just almost made it look a little awkward. He's like looking down the scope kind of thing, whereas most of them hold it at the hip or kind of at the upper chest area. But um, yeah, yeah, when when that that shot where the door is kind of closing in front of Grogu in the elevator, there was definitely one guy that was like, you know, like way up here trying to like look through his helmet and. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny. It's just like slightly quirky, but it's still, it was still awesome. It's still great to see like the, do you, the practical Do you know what stuff. my favorite scene was in, in, in this whole sequence was when um, they were escaping the Jedi Temple and we finally get like another shot of the temple on fire, which is actually yeah. like really, it's really kind of sadistic now that I think about it. That was my favorite shot. Um, but uh, <laughs> I really like just seeing like them more recognizing like the grand scale of, uh, of, of what happened uh, back then. So I want yeah. more. I want like a whole TV show just called Order 66. <laughs> eight, eight seasons of, I'm oh, sorry, eight episodes of just, <laughs> what just happened no, on that I, night. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, someone did like a whole fan edit of Order 66 because since Clone Wars, Bad Batch, all these like overlapping stories, like with, with like all these different Jedi now that we kind of know, you know, what happens to them, like at what point in time. Uh, they do like a super cut of like Revenge of the Sith because like the final arc of Clone Wars like overlaps that whole movie, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's kind of cool to see this this story just expanded and expanded. And, you know, now we know, thanks to Tales of the Jedi, now we know Ahsoka was at Padme's funeral. So like now it gets, get, gives us a better sense of like timing. It's like, well, she was, you know, when, when this whole thing went down, like she was like on some snowy moon somewhere like how the heck did she get to Naboo like overnight like there's no way like so there must be like a week or two time difference in there so it really helps kind of kind of flesh out that story a bit more because there's it's so big um and uh you know I think we got a didn't we get a shot of Bale's speeder in episode three flying away when there's like a a, a Jedi youngling that that gets shot and he's like no and then he gets in her speeder yeah so there's so many angles of this event i would love i'm you're right it it could be a whole season of episodes that all just Mm -hmm. take place in the same time but with different characters (laughs) yeah yeah definitely i mean i um it's just such a compared to any other kind of medium out there in terms of like you know sci-fi content and and just general storytelling that there isn't the kind of an event that like changes a whole story this significant compared to what they did with order 66 at least obviously the original trilogy came out first so that's why i think it's just so fascinating to learn more about it um or we just love seeing the jedi get killed over and over again yes or no so it's either or (laughs) yeah I think it's just got so much emotional depth to it. You know, it's so tragic that like it's it's good story. It's good. It makes good story. So, uh, you know, I do really admire the fact that we keep revisiting this event in all of these shows that they keep doing. It's it's Mm. it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, uh, what you got? Do you guys have any last minute things on Mando before we uh, we wrap it up here? Yeah, I mean uh, the the armor that Grogu received, the uh, Captain America shield. Oh yes, yeah, thing, yeah. That, the that, <laughs> that, that looks a little awkward, doesn't it? That, that, that oh, got yeah. onto uh, Grogu's uh, chest. Look, I am no fashion es- expert, but how on earth is that supposed to work? He's just going to have a big disc on his chest right now. And he's already got chainmail, so I, I don't know what on earth the armor <laughs> is thinking. Hasn't, Maybe hasn't yeah. he already? Hasn't the vest already protected him once? I, I don't know. Like. 
I with something. He, I thought he was going to get a little hat or something, like a little, you know, like yeah. a little helmet. I, mean, or- I was like, okay, he'll get the shield. Like, that's whatever. Like, he'll get a little yeah. shield. He can deflect blasters. <laughs> and then she just, like, attaches it to his chest. Chest, yeah. I was just like, what's going on? And then also, um, as like, Groku is, what, 70 at least at this stage or 60. And then the armor is, like, just slowly taking off, like, his robe. I was like, has Groku, like... Said this is okay. <laughs> it, <had that> <laughs> yeah. it was really a weird just her taking it off. But apart, apart from the armor, I thought the rest of the episode was pretty, uh, uh, pretty kind of missable at least. Apart from that very last scene at the end where, um, yeah, Bo-Katan speaking to the armor and she's like, "Yeah, lots of people get these, uh, these visions." And then Bo's like to herself, "Nah, these aren't visions. I'm gonna go get this little creature and bring it back." Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I like that. Yeah, I, you know, it's um, the mythosaur coming back. I hope it's just not in her head. I hope it's like an actual living being. Uh, I don't know if that, yeah, Bryce, do you, do you want to see that? Do you, do you want this to be in her head or do you want this to be like a a, a physical? Oh, it's got to be a real thing, right? Yeah. It's it got to be. be real because she is, she has to like, I feel like it's a way for her to be Mandalore without getting the Darksaber back. Yeah, is is yeah. taming the mythosaur, right? Which is right of passage. Yeah, how the yeah. first Mandalore becomes. Right. No, that's yeah. a, that's a great point. You know, and, I, and they're definitely moving into more of like uh, the Mandalorians are beast riders, right? Because yeah, because they have. Yeah. Uh, now they've captured those those, those dragons. dragons. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. Can I can I mention how Paz? This is another thing with them. Like, why do these Mandalorians exist? Because Paz Vizsla is like. This is not the first time this dragon has has taken our children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, why do they what? keep why do they keep going to these places where where they just constantly get picked off by like people or creatures or whatever? They're they're, they're always in some. It's funny because like uh, my buddy Nick, he's probably he's probably even listening to this episode right now, but. Uh, he mentioned to me uh, while we were playing some games like yesterday or two days ago. He's, he's like. You know, I was thinking about it and like, why do the Mandalorians, like there's so few of them left. And like, why do they always go to a place that's just so just deadly? Hostile. <laughs> yeah. Hostile. Yeah. Why not live comfortably somewhere? <laughs> you know, in the end, I am so glad that we got the answer to why it was so important for uh, the cloning scientist to have ice cream at the front of the rock. And that was to see the resemblance when Armored Best flew past it in this episode. So I'm really glad we got that connection because he, he, yeah. he flew past it for a solid three seconds and then that, that was it. I was like, oh, that's the rock from the previous episode. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah. It was kind of cool. I was like, uh, I guess it's an, I guess it's a digital environment that they could reuse, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. uh, look, I, I think the next three episodes are going to be obviously the make or break it, oh, of course, but yeah. I think there has to be something that ties back in with the uh, with the cloning people and. Whether or not Moff Gideon comes back, I think is is quite likely because, uh, um, yeah, he's a pretty uh, he's a pretty big player. He's a pretty good actor as well. Do you think that'll be a season four reveal? Do you think Moff Gideon is going to come back and it'll be like this is going to yeah. set up season four sort of thing? Yeah, because it's pretty late yeah. already. Yeah. I, I think yeah. it'll be, but like, what what's the what are they building to? Like, what's what's the big thing that comes uh, here? I, I'm trying to think yeah. back to season one. Like, we weren't really introduced to a main villain um, until episode seven, I think it was, or even episode six. I, I can't exactly remember. But, right. 
Yeah, I, I just don't know what they're uh, building to. And I think we'll find out soon because they can't really just do it in two episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it'll be it'll probably be like a season one thing where Moff Gideon kind of comes in at like the last the last second, and it's like, oh, this is the big the big baddie that we've all been kind of waiting to <laughs> waiting to to see. But, yeah. Uh, this next episode is going to be directed by uh, Peter Ramsey, and uh, it's written by John Favreau, and um, it's chapter 21 i we're yet to be uh <laughs> yet to be labeled so i guess we'll we'll find out this week but yeah i think you know it, we've hit the halfway point and um you know I, I really hope that we start seeing some uh uh some reason to this mm-hmm. kind of overarching story with the mandalorians with bo katan you know starting to tie it up in a nice bow unlike <laughs> unlike bad batch where it just seems to go week to week you never know what's gonna happen they might just decide to chill on an island somewhere might just might go back to the actual story. You never know, right? So it's either um, that, or we'll see uh, in another flashback. Uh, Keller and Beck will run into Jar Jar Binks, and then Jar Jar Binks is actually Darth Jar Jar, and then like they they fight and uh, yeah, right. runs away <laughs> into the arms of the Empire. Right, <laughs> walks into the trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really hoping we see Jar Jar back, but um, very cool. Yeah, I think he'll be in the back of the ship as. Keller and Beck gets on, be like, "Thank you for delivering uh, Grogu to me." <laughs> uh, you fell into my plan. It was it was Misa all along. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, Kirk, thanks for coming back on, buddy, and uh, we'll uh, we'll move, we'll escalate on to uh, to the Bad Batch for a little bit here. But thanks for popping on again, and I guess we'll. Hopefully catch you in one of the next ones. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm keen to actually watch the Bad Batch like, and be up to date next time. But <laughs> yeah. do I do I need to give this episode a rating? I, I've forgotten the rating. Oh, got, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm totally. We've, we've got I, how did I forget about that? Poodoos or something. We've got it, a, right? Yeah. Pablo points and Poodoos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your score? So I think last time I gave the season opener a... Oh God, I kind of remember. Was it one or a two or something? Uh, Pablo uh, I, points. I got to keep track of all this stuff now. Yeah, I, I got. I got to start keeping track. But I forgot. I, I don't know. But let's say if I gave the last one like a one and a half or a two, I think it was. Uh, I'll probably give this one a one. I'd say it, like one, it was okay. I, I give it a one. That's not that's not bad, is it? Is three is really that's good? That's not bad. No, yeah. Whoa, so for uh, for our audience who doesn't know what Pablo's Pablo points or Pudus is, uh, Pablo Pudus uh, is a score system basically out of out of seven. Uh, three Pablo Pudus is the absolute worst. Uh, three Pablo points is the absolute best. And down the middle, if it's like right in the middle, you don't know what to give it. It's a bendu. Uh, so one Pablo points actually, you know, it's in the, it's in the, it's like you liked it. It was good. Wasn't amazing. Definitely wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, that, that sounds right. If I did my currency yeah. conversion to a normal rating system, which is like on a scale of one to 10, it would be, uh, it would be around about uh, a one Pablo point, I, I would say. So yeah, awesome. uh, I, I, I enjoyed it without the flashback though. Uh, I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bryce, <laughs> what would you, what would you score it? I'm going for a Bendu. Going, going for, for a bend, bend right down the middle, yeah. And I mean, without the uh, yeah, without that flashback, you'd have been you'd have been doing some poodoo there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I I agree with you. I think um, I'm leaning on I'm leaning on the one Pablo point only only because it's it's Ahmed best. It, you know, he's back. It was such a cool flashback sequence. I think like those like four minutes or whatever it was. 
uh, five minutes of the episode was basically just worth seeing the episode for those five minutes. And, uh, you know, and I think that was pretty much the only reason why I would actually, uh, I also did like the Grogu fight little thing, even, even though it was kind of silly and kind of ridiculous, I did like the fact that he kind of showed this kid up. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. So yeah, I'm leaning on the one Pablo point. An improvement from the last episode in my uh, in my viewing experience, but uh, yeah, only uphill from here, I hope. I hope so. I hope so. All right, buddy, we'll catch you in the next one. All right, so uh, The Bad Batch, season two, episode 14, tipping point. Several clones imprisoned for disobedience against the Empire, including Hauser, are rescued by a group of rogue clones led by Rex, Echo, and Gregor and brought to Coruscant, where Senator Chuchi questions them about their intended fate. With only a few encrypted data scraps recovered in the raid, Echo rejoins the Bad Batch on Pabu on Mount Tantis, uh, the transport's destination. Uh, Crosshair is interrogated by Dr. Hemlock about the whereabouts of the Batch, specifically Omega, uh, which I, I don't know why, because they're supposed to be dead on paper. Uh, he escapes in an intended moment uh, and sends a uh, warning to his former comrades before being recaptured and subjected to more intense torture. After receiving the message and analyzing the data Echo recovered, the Batch learns about the existence of the Empire's secret Advanced Science Division, or uh, ASD, if we ever see the initials, uh, which I don't know if we will, but um, Advanced Science Division, I have a feeling maybe that's what the cloning logo is on Dr. Pershing. Yeah, it must be. eh? Maybe that's what it is. Uh, But yeah, that's the summary for that episode. I got to say, this was one of those episodes that was so just kind of slap in the face and just run. It was like when it ended, I was like, that's it? Like... (laughs) So, <laughs> like, what even happened? <laughs> yeah, I guess it was a lot of like exposition, right? Yeah, so it was. Of, um, I've got a good feeling about the next episode. I can definitely say that because this one was like, it felt like a really big build-up episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is kind of the call to action again, right? For the the Bad Batch, yeah, on on their pleasure planet just hanging out on their pleasure guess, island yeah yeah full yeah. of tidal waves but yeah I, I i don't know this this episode was was not bad right like it wasn't yeah. definitely wasn't um what is the name of that planet uh pabu pabu yeah it was no pabu episode that was for sure but <laughs> i will i will say that this uh the start of this episode is really cool you know seeing like the crack squad of of these like kind of clone troopers going in to rescue you know other clones in need Mm -hmm. that's a super cool idea and i like that it actually made um it actually made oh um echo yeah it actually made echo relevant and kind of cool again like it was nice to see echo again and it seems like he has a new purpose and a much better role yeah he's not as like forgettable yeah totally that was pretty cool yeah, it kind of, kind of a nice continuity moment, you know, playing off the the moment where he shoots his uh, superior officer um, <clears throat> in the face and <laughs> and uh, gets imprisoned, yeah. and yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was cool to kind of see that uh, naturally kind of flow through this plot as well. When he, you know, he's kind of, I, I don't want to say he's fully committed to rejoining his old squad again, but he's definitely back on the protagonist side of the story 
yeah. whereas before he was very much an antagonist character. And, uh, you know, it's nice to kind of see that. I think that was finally, um, for those people in, in, in camp, uh, uh, camp redemption for crosshair, you know, finally got, got their wish. And, um, I never really had any hopes for this character, like as far as, um, what I wanted, like, I, I just hoped that it was going to be a good story. And, uh, I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised with like how they've handled the whole thing. Uh, it makes me wonder whether or not he's going to die a, a martyr kind of thing, just doing the right thing. And we're not going to get any more crosshair after the season or if they're actually going to save him and he's going to rejoin the squad again. Um, but, uh, it was cool to see him actually kind of reach out to his former team again and, uh, reach out with a protocol that they have implemented and, you know, he's yeah. very, very much familiar with. And, uh, the, so that was very cool. That was cool to see. Um, I have to say these, um, episodes have been consistently impressing me with how they look. Yes. Like, yes. Man, the, the 3d is, is on another level for, for some of these episodes. Yeah, Constantly for sure. Surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, it was cool to revisit. Uh, we got Senator Chuchi coming back in this episode for a small appearance. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, it's it's interesting to me that there's like a there, we we saw a lot more clones that were all kind of together. They almost look like they're um, it, to me. It almost gave me like refugee vibes, you know, just like how they're taking these people in, their brothers, you know, and and kind of making this like not a safe haven, but like a group in which they can kind of be part of and feel safe and not be in the empire's clutches, not be on their own. You know, they're kind of with each other and they're trying to figure this out together. And, um, it does give me that, that kind of, that kind of like feeling that maybe we will get like one last clone wars battle with like clones versus TK units. And, uh, and a lot of them end up biting the bullet and stuff like that. Cause you know, we were theorizing about this, I think a couple weeks ago at one point, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, cool to see Hauser and, um, and Crosshair and e uh, Echo. And, uh, we got a, a clone named Fireball, his first appearance in the show. Uh, so yeah, it, this is kind of neat to see all that, all that going on. And, uh, I mean, Echo's kind of back in the fold again, you know, getting the, getting the crew back together again. So, uh, all the more reason why I have no idea, <laughs> this whole Pabu thing, I, you know, I felt like they could have just made the season shorter, you know, like uh, there's a bunch of fluff in there that I think they could have chopped yeah. out, but you know, well, this gotta, one was all we right. We got to like watch Omega learn to drive. That's very important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like moments like that kind of come in when they're trying to like, remember like what, what Dave echoes as to what George told him is like, you know, rem you know remember you make these words for the kids, you know? So I, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe, maybe someone was like, okay, we need like a relatable learning how to drive moment uh, for yeah. like the, the young, the young teens out there who are like 15, 16, you know, getting their license, whatever. And we need something like that. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. I mean, like we're, we're old, but young fans at heart kind of just, um, uh, you know, I guess, I guess maybe for, for the younger fans, it's like more relatable, but, uh, but yeah, I mean like it's, it was, I thought overall it was an all right episode. There wasn't a crazy amount of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Do you want to give it a rating? 
Yeah, we can just slap a rating on it. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Pablo points or Pudus. Uh, so I, you know, I'm going to give this one a Bendu because I don't give out too many Bendus. I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was the absolute best. I don't think anything stood out about it. In fact, I think the whole thing was like a good fluff episode, if that makes any sense. It was like a buildup, you know, it was like the calm before the storm, but in a good way and not like a kind of a cheesy, badly written way or anything like that. I thought it was, I thought it was all right. Yeah. I think, I think that, that I'm going to go with the same thing. It's a very bendu week for me. I think. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> feeling balanced, feeling balanced. Yeah, feeling like, bendu. Yeah. <laughs> feeling bendu. Uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. I think that should be a song. That should be a song in the Star Wars universe. Al, uh, what's his name? Al Yankovic needs to make one. Oh, Weird Al? I yeah, was Weird Max Al. Rebo. Max Rebo's new, oh, Max new Rebo. song. Max Rebo. I don't know. Did, can, do you remember that movie, uh, Max? Is it Max? Uh, is it Max? Re- oh, hold on a second. No, it's got to be. It's Max something. Is it Max Rebo? or No, Max Rebo is the, the, the blue he's the, elephant. He's right? the blue elephant. Yeah. You think oh, I'm about, like, thinking of Max, Ke- ever- Max Keeble. Did you ever watch that in 2001? <laughs> Max no, Keeble's what? big move. <laughs> you gotta look this up you gotta look this up uh max keeble's big move this was uh, you can find it on disney plus anyway, anytime anyone says max repo for some reason i think of max keeble yeah, <laughs> like, what a what a weird reference <laughs> i don't know keeble. why i think of this movie but like for some reason the last few weeks anytime i've heard max repo i just think of this cheesy 2001 kids movie called max keeble's big Dang. move yeah. Yeah. Is that is that Drake from Drake and Josh? Yeah. Or Josh, no, <laughs> Josh, Josh Peck. Right? Yeah, Josh Peck. Uh, yeah, he's also in um, How I Met Your Father recently. The, the How I Met Your Mother's Spinoff. Oh, I see. Yeah, you can watch that on Disney Plus too. All right. Well, um, maybe 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 uh, the cast of this old weird movie that you're referencing can make a Star Wars song. <laughs> Get him in there. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. So last order of business here is uh, the UTNE catch up. Let's take a look at some, uh, some parents. Oh, it's been a rough week for me. My, my book got voted out. Yeah. No. Oh no. Out- which, which one was that? Outbound flight. It lasts pretty bad. Outbound yeah. flight. Okay. All right. It was, was that, is that where we were with the, uh, with the score system here? Maybe we we're like one before that, but yeah, we we're close. Outbound flight. Let me just try to find that here. Uh, hold on a second here. I'm just looking for it. It was up against. Oh, there we go. It was up against Master and Apprentice. There we yeah. are. Okay, so that's that's so, probably where we left off. Yeah. So which one was that? Okay, so Master and Apprentice was a canon novel written by. I want to say, boy, you know what. <sighs> That's bothering me now. I think it was written by Claudia Gray, uh, but let me just let me just let me just look that up on the Hollow Net here. Yeah, Claudia Gray. Yeah. Okay. So that one. Uh, you know what's funny about that book? I was thoroughly enjoying it, and I was about halfway to three quarters of the way through, and then something came up. I didn't finish it, and I still haven't gone back to it. And it's been like two years or something like that. Oh, I'm okay. so mad with myself that I haven't finished it because I've started other books in the meantime. So I definitely want to revisit this book and reread it again. It was fantastic. Uh, it really got into, um, it flowed in with Jedi uh, Lost, uh, the Dooku Jedi Lost story a little bit, uh, told a bit more, you know, we got some some Sypha Diaz kind of vibes from the whole thing. We got more uh, kind of reasons as to why Qui-Gon's obsessed with prophecies and everything. He's kind of like, 
painted as an oddball in that sense in this book. Uh, really, it was really good. It was really well written, and uh, I, I really liked it a lot. So, on the one hand, I'm 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 sorry for you that you that your chosen <laughs> that your chosen one was voted out, but at the same time, I'm yeah. almost not surprised because it was really well held by by for a sure. lot of fans. Um, Have you read about, Outbound Flight? I you know I I owned a copy of it, and then I ended up. Um, selling it and and i i yeah it was it was a it was a book that was given to me as a gift it was crisp brand new paperback copy and i think i just took it to the bookstore and just they gave me a gift card because it it was like two years and i just wasn't wasn't going to be reading it and uh right yeah yeah i I think honestly if anyone hasn't read it if you love thrawn like it's i think it's his first appearance yeah i heard it's supposed to be um, really good yeah like um, chronologically since, in the on the old eu it's supposed to be his first appearance right yeah kind of kind of since um the thrawn trilogy right or like right. since like the yeah the old eu and it was very cool had some stuff with yeah uh joris kaboth from the thrawn tril- trilogy like wow. non-clone joris kaboth um and just some sneaky stuff that palpatine's up to kind of like it was kind of cool because you get to see Palpatine at work before Phantom Menace as well. That's really cool. Yeah, that's yeah, like that's he, like the, they must have tied in with the Darth Plagueis novel a little bit then in yeah, that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to see um, kind of how the Chiss ascendancy works, and that was really cool too. Right you get to see kind of how they're how they. Go Did you read those uh, those new books, the Thrawn ascendancy novels? Oh, no, I haven't. Does it go into that as well? Yeah. So that's the canon storyline that basically replaces the outbound flight within the canon, I guess. Oh, I I had no idea. I thought, okay, okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's quite the same story, but it's like the same kind of time frame, I believe. If oh, really? That, yeah. yeah. Like just before Phantom Menace? I don't I, Yeah. You know, I'm trying to remember if it's just before Phantom Menace or, or maybe kind of just during the prequels in general. But I know that the second Thrawn book is it flashes back to the Clone Wars era. And I think these books predate that era. So it's either after Phantom Menace, but before Attack the Clones or completely overlapping kind of all those films. Yeah, um, cool. But yeah, it's definitely worth a read the Tron, Tron Ascendancy trilogy. So uh, that's actually on this on this list. So uh, Master and Apprentice Outbound Flight, Master and Apprentice One. Uh, we had the Star Wars: The High Republic, Light of the Jedi versus the X Wing Wraith Squadron series, and Light of the Jedi did come out on top by a long shot. Um, Bloodline versus Thrawn Alliances and the first Thrawn book in the canon. Uh, that's books one and two of the new of the canon. Well, there's two Thrawn trilogies in the canon, so there's six books overall. And we're talking about the first two that were done in the canon versus Bloodline and Bloodline 1. Uh, Dark right, Disciple. I, I got to say something, though. I got to say something. Would you still – would you vote for Higher Public Light of the Jedi if you knew that in X-Wing Wraith Squadron there's a Gamorrean X-Wing pilot? Pretty sweet. Dang, that is tempting. <laughs> <laughs> did it even yeah. speak? Did it, okay, do you remember if it spoke any any particular language or did it just grunt? I, I don't know. No, you, he definitely, I think it was a she too. I think she definitely had lines. Wow. I think that's, it was like maybe the reincarnation of, of um, Porkins, but 
Wow. I guess Gamorreans can learn basic too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dark, Dark Disciple was my favorite uh, out of the list and or one of the, my, one of my favorites. And I, um, I'm sad to see that one go. Oh, but no. The Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy beat it out by, uh, by a couple points, uh, less than a, less than a hundred, but so it was a close game. Um, we had the episode three novelization versus shadow of the Sith. And, uh, the episode three novelization came out on top by a decent number. Uh, the high Republic, uh, what is this? Uh, pages loaded. Fallen star. The fallen star. Thank you. Uh, versus catalyst rogue one novel. And, uh, the fallen star came out on top. Um, I'm actually, uh, I think that's the next one that we're going to talk about on the podcast for book reviews. Uh, it's the end of the phase one High Republic trilogy. Thrawn versus Labyrinth of Evil and Thrawn beat it out by a long shot. So this is the first uh, canon book uh, that's called Thrawn. Uh, we had Darth Plagueis paired up against the Aftermath trilogy. Darth Plagueis whooped the Aftermath trilogy's butt with nearly doubling the points. Uh, we had Kenobi, the old EU Kenobi book versus the new Resistance Reborn, which uh, flows into the Rise of Skywalker. And Kenobi uh, also destroyed Resistance Reborn. Man, that was, uh, that was a big one. 557 points to 285. Uh, what's this one? Okay, so uh, this one was the, the, High Re- or the High Republic, the Rising Storm versus X-Wing, the Rogue Squadron series. And the Rising Storm uh, was that's the second book in the first phase of the High Republic, and that beat out the X Wing's Rogue Squadron series. H- have you read this Rogue Squadron series? Because you mentioned that. Oh, I've read a lot of them, but yeah, like, there's the X- got to be like twenty books. Because <laughs> you mentioned that because Rogue Squadron is the name of the Patty Jenkins movie, and it's the title is kind of taken from this book series. So like, yeah, and, and the games too. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah a lot, the games. There's a lot of pre-existing lore for for Rogue Squadron. A lot of it's hunting. Down down it's all to do with battles fighting um imperial warlords after return of the jedi pretty much yeah that's yeah. cool like that's like that's a cool story because that's basically sort of the thing the events that are going on around the mandalorian that we're not seeing yeah but that's what's happening right so yeah um that's a cool you know it's just interesting for people to know that because that those are some interesting stories and yeah you know they might they might not be canon and there's whatever, some good but stuff. If, like, if, you, if you like uh, like Top Gun and if yeah, you just like Star yeah. Wars, like space combat, there's a lot of like fleet combat too. You know, yeah. Akbar Akbar's yeah. present in a lot of it, and there's a lot of like naval combat. If you like broadsides and yeah, it's right, really just cool. like cool stories, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and you know, who knows? Maybe the movie is going to pull from uh, some of those stories. Who knows? Uh, we had the Darth Bane trilogy from the old EU versus Dark Dark Lord: The Rise of Darth Vader. That was a uh, uh, that was one of those novels in the EU that came out like right after Revenge of the Sith came out. And I think it was a novel that took place immediately after the movie happens. Uh, the Darth Bane trilogy beat that out by a landslide. Uh, we had Padawan, the, mo- the the book that came out before Kenobi last year. Uh, we had the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi book called Padawan versus the Han Solo trilogy. And uh, it was a very close match, but the Han Solo trilogy pulled through to round uh, three. And we only have four matches in round three, which will lead to the final, uh, the final, uh, what, semi, semifinals? What is that? Uh, round four, round four and then semifinals. So... So Josh, do you have a do you have a bet? Do you have a bet on like the book that's going to win it all? Uh, okay, so what we're looking at is Lost Stars versus the Thrawn trilogy and Legends, Brotherhood versus Dooku Jedi Lost, 
Master and Apprentice versus High Republic, Light of the Jedi. Uh, we had Bloodline versus Thrawn Ascendancy Trilogy. We have the Episode 3 novelization versus uh, uh, Fallen Star. We have Thrawn versus Darth Plagueis, Kenobi versus the, um, what is that? The Rising Storm and the Darth Bane Trilogy versus Han Solo Trilogy. So that's all. I'll tell you, I've got my pick. <sighs> Man. What, I want to know what you, what you think. That is, that is a real tough selection there. Um, I think, ah, oh, dang. Okay, well, I think my money is probably on the original Thrawn Trilogy. Mm. If it's not that, it's probably on Darth Plagueis. But I don't know. That's that's just kind of my those my are my thoughts. two as well. Are those gotta be one of those well? two? Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be right. It's and gotta I, be. I, those, I yeah. think it will be Plagueis. That's my. Uh, I think if Plagueis gets through Thrawn here, I think it's it's gonna be yes. Bane yes. might be coming in the close like third, but I think it's Plagueis. Yeah, no, that's it's a good point. I uh, man, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have, yeah, we're, we're going to, we're going to have some good, uh, some good votes going on. So anyone who wants to participate in this, you know, go and follow uh, UTNE on, on Instagram or, or Twitter. And uh, I believe the polls are just coming through on a, on a daily basis. And I think there's one or two, uh, I don't know if they're going to slow that down. Now there's less rounds going on uh, towards the end of the, the game here, but uh, you know, keep an eye out, uh, maybe check their profile once a day and, and it should be the, the most recent post or something like that. You can, Throw your vote in for your top book. Vote per vote platform. Now. Vote, vote now. now. Vote, vote Don't now. be like me and, yeah. and miss miss your chance and all your favorite books out of the running. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you can vote uh, vote on every platform for your favorite book and uh, you know give it give it its best shot because uh, yeah I want to see all the Star Wars fans out there giving rooting for their favorite novel. But yeah, I think that's a that's a likely last two is Plagueis versus the old Thrawn trilogy. So yeah. Sweet deal. All right. Um, well, that's all we got for uh, this week's show. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to Mando and Bad Batch this week and looking forward to chatting with you guys um, uh, in the next one. And uh, Bryce, do you have any last minute things you want to wrap up with? No, I had a great time talking today. Yeah. All right. Awesome, buddy. Well, I guess we'll uh, catch you in the next one. And thanks again for coming on. Yeah. May the force be with you. And with you. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. The best way to help us out is always just to drop five stars, hit that subscribe button. It takes no effort and you get updated every week with the new episodes that we drop, both on the podcasting platform of your choice, as well as on YouTube Tuesdays at 1 p.m., uh, which are YouTube premieres. So you can leave a comment and you know chat with other people who are tuning in live. So that's kind of cool as well. Uh, we got Star Wars Celebration right around the corner, and uh, we do plan on uh, doing recap, daily recaps for each day that Celebration is going on, and uh, just kind of chatting about the hype and uh, all the new announcements that might be coming out, uh, any trailers that might be dropping, uh, that kind of thing. So definitely uh, don't want to miss that. If uh, so pop on the on the show for. Um, for those celebration recaps and uh, we might even do it like an open mic thing there's been chat about that for a while uh we also have uh, a high republic novel review to kind of get around to at some point which we're going to hit after the mandalorian we got a special guest lined up as well for a brand new uh saber company i don't know well i don't know how brand new it is but it's been around for for a little bit uh they most recently we met them at fan expo in vancouver and uh, you can look them up they're called alki solutions and uh really great 
great uh, alternative to buying lightsabers, great customer service, so we're hoping to have them on at some point in the coming weeks once Mando and Bad Batch are all wrapped up in a nice little bow. And uh, until next time, hopefully we get back in the escape pod again for next week where you have our regular sound. Uh, but until next time, thanks again for tuning in, you guys, and may the force be with you. <laughs>